Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Ficklick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us individually bring a fic to talk about. And this episode, Nick, you're up first. What's yeah. your fic? Yeah, my fic for this episode is Ashes and Flame, Every You and Every Me by Frenetic Flowetry, which is a fic for the Hunger Games trilogy by Suzanne Collins, specifically post Mocking Jay, but before the 20 year time skip to the epilogue. <laughs> it's Katniss slash Peta. Read. What have you got? My fic is Life is Very Long by Katie Falls. It is an old guard fic, and it is Joe Nikki. Brenna, what's your fic? Yeah, my fic is Atlas by Etymology Playground. It is a crossover fic for Modao Tsushi and Tianguan Sifu. Um, It is for Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian, as well as Hua Chong and Xiliang. So I'm excited to get to that one. Yeah, so... um... Ficklets who have us on Twitter might know that um, about two weeks prior to this episode dropping, a little bit less, I did tweet that Already Gone by Kelly Clarkson is a Katniss slash PETA song. It was actually written about them. Um, that's true, factually. Mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson has gone on the record <laughs> and said this song is for the girl on fire and the boy with the bread. Um so we know for sure, but uh, for anyone who might not know, <laughs> I was thinking back to how The Hunger Games was probably my first, like, I never wrote or, like, read fic for it, but it was the first time I had kind of, like, a fandom experience, I guess. I should start saying it's my first fandom. It's, like, a lot more complimentary <laughs> than what I usually say about myself. Yeah, that is really true, actually. Yeah. Unfortunately for you... um, you have talked about your first fandom in a number of these episodes that yeah. are now cemented on the internet forever. Oh, I know. Huh, from now on, it's the Hunger Games, everyone. Erase the past <laughs> from your memory. <laughs> but I was talking when we were doing our pre-discussion about how I vividly remember like being picked up from school in middle school when this book came out, aging myself a little. Um, but... I was like in the back seat as my mom was driving and Already Gone by Kelly Clarkson came on and I was like looking out the window thinking so deeply about Katniss and Peeta. I didn't really know about fan vids back then, but I was participating in fan vid culture just like emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like you think, you just think of the lyrics, you know? And you get so emotional. So I was, I don't know, it was it was a blast from the past. And it got me thinking about different songs that I associate with different fandoms and like ships and how that kind of works, especially in the era of eight tracks where we all kind of got into fandom. Yes, I vividly remember some of the early fan mixes that I downloaded from Tumblr. I think it might have been right around when eight tracks was getting big or honestly even like a little bit before that when people would just put like a media fire download link like at the bottom um one of those for me will always be no children by mountain goats which i strongly associate with a dramione playlist that i downloaded (laughs) (laughs) like at the very beginning of my tumblr career Uh i don't know who made the fan mix like i no longer have it because 
like when I kind of switched to using Spotify, I really got rid of all of my like iTunes music. So I don't have anything from that time anymore, which is kind of tragic because I would love to know what else was on that playlist. But every time I hear that song, I like see the cover art in my mind, (laughs) like the little edit that was from it. For me, I feel like one of the strongest sort of fandom song sense memories I have is not a fan mix in particular, um, but it is Christina Perry, who granted I've not heard in many years, but but if I were to hear her again, any one of her songs, I would immediately be transported back to the song Jar of Hearts and specifically a Tumblr post where the first is a gif with the lyrics written on it of who do you think you are running around leaving scars and underneath it, a gif of Harry Potter going, uh, I don't know, maybe Lord Voldemort? <laughs> um, that is, like, seared into my memory. It's one of those things I do not think about often, but when it comes back, it comes back full force. It will yeah. never leave me. Yeah, I feel like the Tumblr 2012-era situation we got ourselves into last episode has not fully left us. <laughs> No, I feel like I really kind of opened up um, a terrible box <laughs> and I'm still having to sort through the horrors. But speaking ashamed. of, uh, yeah, 2012 era Tumblr, when I think Christina Perry, I do think A Thousand Years and I do think the Merlin finale episode. <laughs> oh, boy. So that's what I've got. I think of it's her, right? That has that song that's like, I'm only human. Yes. Have, yeah. Teen Wolf. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Easily. naturally. Yeah, I was looking back at my 8Tracks account, which still exists somehow, um, and also the only account I ever made. I've literally I only used when I was like a young teen. So it's really kind of terrifying how pristine uh, the, the image it captured of me in that era still is. I found um, Find an Anchor parentheses s slash i and parentheses which is obviously a scott slash isaac fan mix um that i listened to it has skinny love on it as it should um <laughs> just f if you were wondering um and also a thousand years but the voice avenue cover <laughs> just in case that, like, you wasn't say enough. voice uh-huh. avenue i feel like has more bodily transported me to the past than anything else we've said yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one really did <laughs> just kind of take me out. <laughs> well, I was looking at the fan mix by user Mikolinski. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was looking and it was like seven comments. And I was like, oh my God, there's comments. Maybe I commented. Oh, I did. Um, <laughs> no. I said, everything about this is actually perfect. I needed a soundtrack to write my fic to. And this has been so unbelievably helpful. Thanks for making it and sharing heart. Which, okay, super normal. Good job, passed me. Yeah, uh, that's not bad. Yeah, the person replied and said, oh my god, thank you, da da da. If you could link to me when you're finished writing it, that'd be amazing. And so I did. <laughs> I replied again. Oh my god. <laughs> the link is there. It was late enough in my fandom that the link is to AO3, just if anyone was wondering. But I think it might have been one of the ones I cross-posted from ff.net. So maybe I just was like more proud of the AO3 version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Really embarrassingly for myself, um, as we were talking about this, I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna go dig into my Tumblr, see what I can find there, and play like my playlist tag wasn't really working, so I was like, ooh, fan mix. Mm-hmm. And like on the first page of results, over half of them were not for a fandom, but were for Greek myth characters. <laughs> mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so good. 
it's really, ooh, sometimes I really just have to face how much I have not changed. Like, Uh I would like to think that I have grown as a person in many ways Uh since, like, high school, etc. And I have. But in other ways, not so much. It was literally like, Icarus, Icarus, Persephone, Icarus. I was like, all right, okay. Um, I have also only made one fan mix in my day. Um, and I don't, I don't know if this will be as, like, hashtag relatable, although I'm sure Nick will appreciate it, at least. Um, it was written for a fandom for, like, a GTA AU, so Grand Theft Auto AU, and the whole premise of that fandom was, like, criminals and, and heists and found families and, like, high-stakes encounters with the law, always. Um, so I, I did find my, my fan mix. There's an embarrassing amount of uh, 21 Pilots and Fallout Boy on there, but specifically the song that really gets me, because it was lifted from, like, every other fan mix for yeah. that fandom, is um, <laughs> Devil's Backbone by The Civil Wars, <laughs> which, in case you're unfamiliar, the lyrics are, I've fallen in love with a man on the run. Oh, Lord, I'm begging you, please, don't take that sinner from me. It just... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your spoken word poetry of that was really <laughs> fucking... Yeah, oh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, Thank it you. was on, like, every single yeah. fan mix that I can think of for, mm-hmm. like, specifically ship mix for that fandom. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, it was also on, like, every fan mix for, like, any pairing for a little bit there. Like, oh, if yeah. I went back, like, I'm sure I could find so many fan mixes with that song. Um, I just, as we were talking, actually, right now, um, had the horrible experience <laughs> of being like oh i already looked at my fan mix tag what if i look at my fan vid tag oh it's dark (laughs) y'all it's dark (laughs) there's a few things that i like remember being good and then there's a few things i'm like what the (laughs) hell is this like no offense to the makers of these original videos because like obviously at one point i connected deeply with it or i found it really funny but like i'm just like what what was i doing but the reason i went back was to look for something um that I had accidentally rediscovered uh, a couple weeks ago when I was trying to look for old Sherlock Rex mm-hmm. uh, for Reed. And that is the um, Sherlock and John fan vid set to Arrival of the Birds, um, which I think is seared into my memory. Like, yeah. if you were in that fandom, I feel like you probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um <laughs> But I came across it in my Sherlock tag, like, and the the visceral memory that, like, hearing the first couple, like, the first few notes of the song along with, like, the dialogue that the video has <laughs> from, like, the pool scene with Moriarty, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Like, I never thought I'd hear this again, but it really awoke something deep inside me. See, Bren, when you said fanvid, the first thing that came to mind for me was, um surprise a steve tony fan vid um but the thing that really stands out about this one it was called say when um and the thing that made it so iconic was uh it was really popular um and then it sparked the person who made that fan vid to create a series um the author is Anne to who um and uh they wrote i just checked it was 328,000 total words for this series and it was a rewrite of the mcu so the premise of the fan vid was like in iron man 2 when like tony gets uh palladium poisoning and natasha sent to monitor him what if steve was woken up early and steve is the agent assigned to watch over tony and so that was the fan vid and then it got super popular and the author was like i'm gonna write this premise and so started with iron man 2 and then subsequently rewrote 
a bunch of movies of the Marvel Universe. Um, and like Antu, who, in my opinion, I think is a was a BNF, at least within Steve Tony fandom. Um, and so that honestly, like I look back at that pretty fondly. I remember losing my mind for that video and that concept, obviously. Um, but I also just love that like the fan vid sparked something like so much bigger too. Well, now that we've talked a little bit about the fan mixes that we have witnessed, listened to, created ourselves, I would like to point to the greatest fan mix in fandom history, which actually is just the official The Hunger Games songs from District 12 and beyond fan mix. Like, are you (laughs) kidding me? Eyes open. Run, daddy, run. Come away to the water. Abraham's daughter. Tomorrow will be kinder. Like, is is this a freaking joke to you? They didn't have to do all of that, but they did. And so... I think now that I'm in the zone to really be feeling everything about Katniss and Peeta, we should discuss their journey in this fic that I brought for the pod. Yeah. So my fic for this episode is Ashes and Flame, Every You and Every Me by Frenetic Flowetry. It is a fic for The Hunger Games, as you might have gotten from that intro. Uh, And it's a PETA slash Katniss fic. Haymitch also shows up a fair amount. It is canon compliant. Um, It's kind of a post-canon type situation before the epilogue that takes place like way later when they have kids and stuff. Spoilers for The Hunger Games. Um, if you haven't read The Hunger Games or seen the films, uh, this is going to contain like every imaginal spoiler for the way that the series ends. So I guess if you're like, I'm going to read The Hunger Games right now, <laughs> stop, go read all three books and then come back to this episode. <laughs> Otherwise, um, I feel like it's a pretty solid cultural touch point. I imagine a lot of folks listening are somewhat familiar I will reorient us because quite a lot happens in Mockingjay to the point that it was split into two movies, which is really wild to me. Uh, But I am going to just describe a little bit about what happens. So, okay, first, I guess I'll give the broad overview. The Hunger Games are a horrible dystopian nightmare where children are sent into an arena and fight to the death. Katniss and Peeta, winners. Congrats to them. They survived in the Hunger Games. Later on, they fight the man together, and then they have to fight the man separately. So that's the first three books, approximately. Um, (laughs) All three books, I guess. And let me tell you the end of the third one. (laughs) I feel like that's enough. That's enough, right? Um, In the third book, Katniss and Peeta are separated for a decent portion of it after the events of Catching Fire, where they, like, had to go to District 13, but Katniss was rescued, but then Peeta was not, and it was a whole mess. So Mockingjay is kind of the height of the revolution. They had gone from District 12 to the Capitol to other districts to the Atlantis-esque District 13 that, like, was a myth, but actually it's real where they are trying to fight the system. Katniss realizes, hey, the system they're going to replace this other system with actually isn't that much better, probably. So I'm skipping over so much. Very end of the book. (laughs) Um, Katniss goes to assassinate President Snow, who has been the president, like, forever. Well, not as long as he's been president, you know. He was the president in book one as well. Presides over the Hunger Games, blah, blah, blah. 
she goes to kill him but then at the last moment bum 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 she turns and fires her arrow at president coin who was kind of leading the revolution as a symbol of like no president is actually gonna be able to like save us from all of this also she's like super disillusioned by this point so you got to give her some props for that um this fic however is from Peta's pov so what he's up to is dealing with the after effects of uh great trauma when he was taken basically he was tortured and uh content warning we do get some references to and the after effects of this torture in the fic so fyi it's all a reference to canonical events um he's basically memories are implanted into him that are specifically designed to make him hate and want to kill katniss which is sad because they were in love so tough uh he gets free eventually does try to kill katniss at one point but then later stops her from killing herself so balance and it ends with him going back to district 12 basically and then it skips 20 years and they have kids was that a good that was a really good summary i think (laughs) (laughs) if someone at this point somehow is completely unfamiliar with the hunger games i'm glad they got my version Mm -hmm. i i don't know that the picture you painted was accurate but it is i think what you need to know for this fic it was entertaining it was was entertaining entertaining. (laughs) yes (laughs) so this fic does pick up back in district 12 which is like their hometown basically where Peta is getting adjusted back into life as a human being, not at war, essentially. Because uh, he's really been through a lot. He started as just like a casual baker, and now really there's a lot happening for him. So uh, it's basically him, yeah, readjusting to life in District 12, talking to Haymitch, who was him and Katniss's like mentor, basically, when they went through the games, um, who is canonically alcoholic, and we do see some of that in this fic as well, so that's another content warning. Um, but yeah, they're just trying to like live, make a life, like take a breath for the first time in a long time. Um, this fic is in first person, which I was super excited about because I feel like it gets a bad rap. So I was really excited to be like, this first person fic is good. Um, the Hunger Games novels are also in first person. So I think it matches really well. And I think honestly, books are like book fandoms are where I'm more likely to, I think, enjoy first person. Like if there's already a model of how the author did it, I feel like I'm more game to be like, yeah totally other fandoms sometimes it catches me off guard a little bit more this one didn't it wasn't that surprising and it felt really in tune with the source material but yeah i mean that's really the gist of it it's kind of a quiet little fic that's very moody and has a lot of like recovery and it's it's mostly though just like i don't know a little snapshot of his life i really liked it i liked it a lot so that's my pitch (laughs) with my good context um and i would love to hear what my co-hosts thought and felt about it yeah i really enjoyed this fic i will say um i am familiar with the hunger games as a trilogy um i remember books one and two pretty well i also have seen the movies for those which i think helped reinforce that memory um book three i like 
conceptually knew of it. Like, I, I know I read it when it came out. <laughs> like, I owned the book. But did I really remember what happened? No. So I was a little bit lost towards the beginning of this just because it does pick up kind of right after with some of what PETA's, like, just gone through. And I was like, well, like, I kind of remember, like, the torture he went through a little bit. Like, I remember that existing, but I couldn't really remember, like, where the story actually left off. And then before I recorded today, I was like reading back through the Mockingjay plot summary on Wikipedia. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like this book was so violent. And I kind of completely forgot about a lot of that. Um, so I would say like a little bit of knowledge of Mockingjay as a story is helpful to enjoy this. It's not re like required, but um, I think now that I have refreshed my own memory, I do appreciate it even a little bit more. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, first person POV for this. I felt like it was really fitting for PETA. And um, I think we kind of needed it for the story that this fic wanted to tell. Um, I think like he's going back into kind of a bleak but somewhat more hopeful world than he was in before. But like, it's not great. Like they're having to kind of rebuild everything from the ground up and... I think if you were outside of like PETA's head or if you were just in a third person POV, it might all feel a little bit kind of just like horrible and depressing. <laughs> um, and PETA, for all of the trauma that he's gone through, is a very like warm person inside. So I think kind of having his internal narration for some of this was really helpful. Um, I think it gave us a good balance of kind of like uh, like the humanity in the kind of bleakness that is him going back to District 12. So I like that a lot. Um Peter, I think, is a very easy character to be fond of, so it was nice to kind of revisit him and, like, see that he was doing better. <laughs> yeah, um, Nick, in the intro, when you were saying that The Hunger Games was kind of, like, your first, like, big fandom, um, I think the way you had phrased it to Bren and I off mic was, this was your Harry Potter, <laughs> um, in terms of, like, midnight premieres and stuff like that, um, I can't remember if I've said this before on the pod. We have done one other Hunger Games fic. So if I'm repeating myself, I'm so sorry. But it did make me think about how um, before the first movie premiere, um, I invited a bunch of my friends over to my house and my mom and I made like a whole like two or three course meal like based on the book. So there was like a stew that they have at the Capitol and like dessert was like poisoned berry dessert something. Um, and we all had like t-shirts that we made, um, which was like super, super fun. I miss, honestly, going to, like, midnight premieres and stuff. Like, I did a lot of that for Marvel, and that persisted through many, many years. But there's something about the specific, like, high school Twilight, Harry Potter, Hunger Games, etc. movie mm -hmm. premieres. Mm -hmm. The energy of it is so specific and will not be replicated again. And I feel kind of nostalgic for it. That has nothing to do with this fic. I, I just, <laughs> since we have been taking some strolls down fandom memory lane um yeah i really liked this fic my memory of the exact ending of mockingjay as compared to like what happened at the end and then the epilogue was a little bit fuzzy um but i remembered most stuff um i do remember as a child not a child as a teenager reading this book hating the epilogue hating it mm -hmm. this fic phenomenal a much better post-canon, in my opinion. And I think sets up some similar things that the epilogue did in a way that was way more enjoyable to me. I was like, yes. Um, the first-person POV, I think, was really well done. This fic thoroughly felt like a Nick pick, um, from the POV to sort of the, like, tone of it. Um, Hunger Games isn't, like, I guess that niche of a fandom, but it's also not, like, something you're reading on the regular. Um, Speak for yourself. 
you know what? That's fair. It's not something <laughs> I'm reading on the regular. Um, it just felt very much like a Nick pick, and so that was very enjoyable too. Um, yeah, I agree with what Brenna said that Peta is like a super likable character, and so even as the things in this fic were pretty bleak, um, being in his head definitely helped mellow that out. Um, yeah, it was a fic that I think managed to strike a balance between being set in a pretty depressing story and at like a pretty upsetting like time like just because the war is over does not mean in any way that things are fixed so it managed to sort of balance that bleakness with hope um without either one of those things feeling too overwrought and i think that can be a really difficult thing to do and i think this fic did it well so one reason i wanted to bring this fic is because Peta was my favorite out of the hunger games characters i just really like him and i think he's good and he was really sad in the books for a lot of it but it's okay because he gets to be happy eventually, right? But I also, <laughs> I just really loved how complex this look at him is. I think like, I love it when the seemingly one-dimensional good guy gets a lot more layers. And I think this fic did a good job exploring that. I think the books did too, right? He gets a lot of interesting development, but I loved seeing it from his point of view that we don't get in the novels. So I really liked that a lot, a lot. And like, I loved his bitterness. I think that was one of my favorite things about that. Like, you know what? Yeah, understandable. Um, there's a point where, and like the bitterness is still really kind. And that feels super true to him too. Yeah. And I just think like seeing, we, we see a lot of, there is a decent amount of metaphor in here between the life that he's living and the games that he's very intentionally drawing those lines and that I really really liked like everything in this first person POV obviously is like he's choosing to share these things it's not omniscient like we're so in his head um so in this fake Hamish raises geese good for him um, <laughs> at first he's like get out of here geese but then they keep coming back and he's like I guess I'll feed you and now you're my geese um so he's a fan but there's a line or a section it opens with there's no wiring in the sky unless you're a game maker and they find their way back to the meadow before long Katniss brings her bow this time until I ease it away and steer her back to the village um and they have a conversation where they're talking about hey Mitch and Katniss is like can we like get rid of these geese seriously <laughs> uh and Peta's like hey Mitch doesn't have anything except for these geese and that conversation ends with her being like he has us and he goes fine I answer they're all he has that he's never sent away to die and that line absolutely slayed me. I think they're so... One of the most dystopian parts about the Hunger Games is that the people who are most affected by the games become part of its machine later on and continue to uphold it, like Haymitch and Katniss and Peeta later on too, uh, as they like go back in again and have to play. Like There's so much intricacy to that and so many layers of trauma and hurt I thought that was such an incisive way of putting it and such an incisive way of looking at what it means to have something good and like to grow something, even if it's kind of annoying and imperfect like these geese are. I don't know. I just thought it was really, really beautiful. And I love that this is PETA's POV where he's holding kindness toward Hamish and also holding bitterness about everything that all of them have been through. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. I didn't understand that line about the like wires in the meadow and the game makers. Oh, what does yeah, it mean? Yeah. Okay. 
like I was like they're coming back <laughs> I yeah didn't, I didn't get what was happening <laughs> so then, I'm sorry <laughs> I'll explain okay they put up a fence around Hamish's yard like taller so that the geese wouldn't keep wandering over because they just kept coming but so in in the games there's like the dome and you can't go up but right. they couldn't put a dome over Hamish's house so the geese just flew over the fence and came back oh does that make sense yes I think so I mean that makes sense for the plot I'm still a little bit confused about like why it was written that way oh. I thought it was a bad choice just like me with my <laughs> like I just don't know anyway it's fine <laughs> thank you for the assistance <laughs> sure I just figured out what my point of confusion was <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's uh, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well I think let me go back to that line really quick uh we're debating live on air <laughs> Well, see, I was reading that line as, like, the, not the geese were coming back, but, like, the game makers were coming back. <laughs> oh, no. And that's where I got really confused. Because <laughs> it says there's no wiring in the sky unless you're a game maker, and they find their way back to the meadow before long. <laughs> so I was like, the game makers are going back to the meadow. <laughs> and I was like, why are the game makers in the meadow? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm a clown. Um... The game makers, I think, at this point are largely dead or, like, imprisoned for war crimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, unless there was secretly, like, an animal that was also, like, named the game maker. Oh, God, a goose game maker. <laughs> it's, honk, it's, honk, it's, children. It's, it's the horrible goose from Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. No, it's the a, horrible it's goose It's a pretty mediocre day in District 12 and you're a horrible <laughs> game maker goose. I think the horrible goose would bite the game makers, though. You yeah. are actually so right. If you are a horrible goose, you would be antagonizing the game makers. Yeah. If, I was thinking, like, maybe the geese are now the game makers. <laughs> but if they're not, then, like, they definitely would be biting them. I'm so sorry. We can get back to the thing now. <laughs> sort of on a different track. Um, something that I really liked about this fic is that coming into it, I... Really did not have strong feelings about, like, Katniss and Peeta as a couple. Um, I think if my memory is correct, like, even while reading it, I cared a lot about their dynamic. But, I don't know, you're in Katniss's head and for so much of it, like, Peeta is really in love with her and Katniss is like, I have other things to be doing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, you know what, I really, I respected it then, I respect it now. Um, and even when, even when it does feel like Katniss reciprocates his feelings, like, it is really just never, at least in my recollection, like, it was not in the forefront of her mind. Um, so, however many years later, after I've read these books, I did not come into this fic with, like, really strong, like, residual, um, ooh, Katniss Peta feelings. My brain tried to make it a portmanteau, but then it, there was only bad combinations. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the two main (laughs) ones are, um... Or the two easy-to-grasp ones are really <laughs> questionable. <laughs> um, I won't be calling them toast, either. Lark, Lark Dean. Bad. <laughs> I, I guess better than Lark. some of the other ones. <laughs> but... I think technically it actually is Everlark. Oh, that's, that's familiar. Oh, that's that, really does, yeah, yeah, yeah. that does actually Everlark, not bad. something in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Everlark is good. Wow, yeah. TBT. I just called them toast for so long as a joke <laughs> that I forgot what the real one was. Yes, so I didn't have a lot of Everlark feelings coming into this. But something that I really liked is that there's a lot of narrative, even in this short fic, about two halves of a whole. Um, Peta thinks about it sometimes in reference to himself, about how he has um, 
Fucking Christ, that really caught me off guard. <laughs> Sorry for the people who can't see our screen. We're on a Zoom call and it went like Nicole is screen sharing. And it went to the genius page for Kelly Clarkson already gone lyrics. Well, if so. we needed any help having any Everlord feelings, I thought this would be the moment. Unfortunately, okay, I'm, I'm nervous to say this on the pod, but I guess I'll just go for it. Unfortunately, a, a number of years ago, for literally no discernible reason, I did decide that Kelly Clarkson is my enemy. So looking at this is not helpful I for everyone. I remember Mark. that. Yeah. Are you kidding? Oh no. my god, I couldn't. I couldn't believe. I can't believe I forgot that Kelly Clarkson was your enemy. Like, I think it was a thing where she just had like too many hits on the radio at once, and I got so oversaturated <laughs> not just with one of her songs, but it was like three at once. And I one day abruptly was like, I don't want to hear her ever again. And I'm sure she's actually perfectly fine, but I just became a Kelly Clarkson anti. I do feel like she's probably perfectly fine like I don't really know her but she does bring me back to a lot of like middle school nostalgia so yeah so unfortunately looking at this genius page for Kelly Clarkson's already gone is not inducing any (laughs) residual Everlark feelings or after the fact it started with a perfect kiss and we could feel the poison set in are you joking Reed (sighs) sorry continue (laughs) you don't get my vision whatever (laughs) um Wow, we have really gone off the rails with this. What I was going to say about Peta's two, two halves of a whole is, like, he has a fake leg from the Capitol, which, by the way, was never in the movies. That really caught me off guard when True, I was, like, bracing for it in the movie. And then I was like, oh, we're just not doing that. Anyway, so he has, like, that, and he also has, like, all of these false memories. Um, and there's some lines in the fic about how, like, it's easier for him to rebuild the memories when it's not just his own. Like, when he's rebuilding them with Katniss and when they're memories that he shared with Katniss. Um, and I thought that was really sweet and really well done. Like, they are romantic in this fic. They they get there as they sort of are dealing with their trauma. Um, but more than the romantic aspect of it, to me, I just really liked the idea of healing with someone. And it's not like, oh, I need this other person to heal and be better. It's like not like a reliance in that way. But it is sort of this, yeah, I don't know. Just I thought it was a really nice like coming together. And, and the fact that Peta feels fractured and feels less so with Katniss, um, it resonated with me. Yeah, I was going to say, I really like how this fic positions PETA, particularly at the beginning of it. Um, Like I mentioned, I was a little bit lost as to like the context surrounding him. But just looking at him, I really liked what it was doing. There's a line quite early on in this fic uh, where he's like waiting on for a train to get back to District 12. And it says, there's no one left to carry away from 12 and no one to leave behind but me. Um, And I just really liked that. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said about Peta being quite alone at the beginning of this fic like he's going back to like the few people that he really knows in this world like Katniss Haymitch but greasy say really have yeah (laughs) definitely thank you you're welcome Um, but like his connections to these people have also been quite fractured by like the events of um Mockingjay and like his trust with Katniss like isn't quite the same as like it probably was earlier in their lives um I like the journey that this fic took Peta on from being in this really kind of like position where he's the only one left um, to kind of rebuilding this like found family aspect. Um, and it's with the people he already knew, but I think it's just kind of figuring out what their relationship is like now in the aftermath and rebuilding some sort of like connection and like familial nature uh, between all of them. So I, I just really like that a lot. And like, you know, you want these characters to be happy. Like, they've been through a lot. But I think it would also be unreasonable to just kind of be like, okay, well, now everything's fine. Like, that's not 
the right ending for this either. So I think that this fic did a lot of work to um, figure out like what PETA needed in order to kind of be able to rebuild those relationships and like also rebuild kind of his trust with himself um, after what he'd been through in the Capitol and everything. Yeah, I think the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was just the Peta Katniss relationship is so interesting. Like, they were probably my first, like, OTP before I knew what it meant to have an OTP. Like, I just liked them so much, and then I felt so victorious. You love it when it goes endgame. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, hell of a love triangle, but it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, but I was just thinking about, like, kind of what you said right about them healing together and also just about like everything that they've been through they never got a second to stop and like figure out who they were to each other there's a line in this fic where Peta's talking to Haymitch uh, I don't know who I am I say turning the cup in my hands but sometimes I think maybe she does and he replies so what's the problem and then in his narration he goes the other times are the problem the half of my brain hijacked to hate her and all that came before when I loved her for as long as I could remember and she loved me for the cameras and the capital and it's so mm -hmm. much it's so much like wow i think what's so great about that line is just that it's like such a succinct summarization of like what they've been to each other in this just kind of very straightforward manner that's really like punches you in the gut a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah because even in the books it is brutal like knowing that Peta is fully in love with katniss and it's like for the cameras it's like hey spoilers again pew 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 he's like oh we're having a baby and like all these mm -hmm. other things like that they play up in front of the cameras and then the moment that they're off like katniss is dealing with a lot of turmoil yeah i think this fic is just so smart it's only four thousand three hundred words and i feel like it uses those words really really effectively and that was one of the spaces i felt that the most yeah, I think there's a lot to love about this fic, personally. This was our chat on Ashes and Flame, Every You and Every Me by Frenetic Flowetry. It just, like, I've talked before about how post-canon, and specifically for books, just, like, gives you more of what you wanted. And this gave me, like, more of what I wanted, which was a TBT to me in my youth loving these characters, like... Oh, when it's right, it's so good. So I was really excited to get to bring this and talk about how it is just this like really sparse, cold, but still like pretty and hopeful meditation on healing and trauma recovery and what comes next for them. So that fic was published. I don't think we mentioned this in 2011. I know. So speaking of old things, Reed, let's talk about your fic. My fic this episode is Life is Very Long by Katie Falls. It is for The Old Guard, which is a movie that came out in July of 2020. The pairing is Joe Nicky. Um, really quick, if you are a keen observer, you might be like, hey, you guys did a fic by Katie Falls last time. Um, this is not the first time we've had a repeat author, but I do just want to say we almost never do this, but we actually recorded the outro for last episode like a week after recording like the rest of it. A peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, and I had picked this fic like very, very shortly before recording the outro, and I had torn through a bunch of old guard fic. 
So it really did not register in my brain that I was picking a fic by the same author Nick had brought. Um, and then after I said it, Nick was like, isn't that my author from like this episode we technically just discussed? And I was like, you are right. Um, Katie Falls, banger after banger. <laughs> Back and better than ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I found this fic, I, just briefly to shout out to the FicClick server, um, I found this fic through a rec list that was um, put in our server. And so... It really did not register at all that it was the same person. But, okay, this all being said, um, this is a fic that is set both post and pre-canon and is t technically canon compliant um, and is a fic that I think you do need to know the context for to really understand. So I'm going to give you my best approximation of the Old Guard movie. Um, shortly, question mark. Every time I say I'm going to make something short, it's never short, so I'm really sorry. Um... So the premise of the Old Guard is that it is about five immortals who are highly skilled warrior assassins. Um, they range from Andy, who is the oldest, uh, she became immortal in ancient Greek times, and then Niall, who is the youngest, um, who just becomes immortal at the very beginning of the movie, um, which is set in present day. The other immortals that make up their group are Joe, who in this fic is also known as Yusuf, Nikki, who goes by a couple different nicknames, all sort of like Nico, Nicholas, in that range. Um, and Booker, who is also known as Sebastian. Um, and there are there are a couple other immortals that are mentioned in both the movie and this fic that I'll get to in a bit. But um, the sort of premise of their immortality is it's not like a reincarnation thing. It's just that no matter how badly they are injured or killed, they'll heal. They all meet at different times because they become immortal in different centuries. Um, so you find out that Andy was alone at first, and then she met Quinn, who I'll get to in a second. Um, Quinn and Andy met Joe and Nikki, and Joe and Nikki found out that they were immortals by killing each other a lot of times and continuing to wake up next to one another, um, and then actually deciding that they are deeply, deeply in love, soulmates forever, um, grossly romantic, good for them. A couple centuries after that, they find Booker, um, and so that is sort of the crew. Um, Quinn is someone, as I mentioned, that Andy found way back when. Uh, the two of them are not explicitly romantic, but I think it's, like, pretty heavily implied. Um, they do meet up with Joe and Nikki, and um, Quinn and Andy get separated in medieval times. Um, it's pretty brutal. Uh, it's the witch-burning trials, and um, they take Quinn and put her in an Iron Maiden, which is, like, a metal casket with, like, holes in the eyes and mouth and dump her in the middle of the ocean, and she just sort of perpetually keeps drowning and coming back to life. It's, it's really bad. After that, Andy and Joe and Nikki spend um, about 10 years looking for her and can't and have to give up. The other immortal mentioned in this fic is Lycon, who is someone that Andy and Quinn had found. Um, and he ended up actually dying. They don't know exactly what causes it, but like out of nowhere, suddenly the immortality turns off. More than likely, you know, if they die, they'll wake up again. But there is always that little bit of fear that like this might be the last time and they will just never know when it is. So this fic uh, takes a non-linear narrative and just gives us bits and pieces of that history throughout time. Um, there are some set in present day and a little bit into the future. There's some that go way back. Um, so you get all of these different scenes of the group as it has looked across different times, um, the different people that have been with them. And um, that's also partially why there's a bunch of name changes. Um, 
I would recommend taking a good look at the character tags because they pretty much cover the span of like the different names. But if you get a little lost sometimes, that is a good reference. Um, and specifically the way this fic is framed is that um, Andy at one point says that there were seven words in Greek for different types of love. Um, and so there are seven scenes in this fic that follow as such. Um, the meanings of those different types of love can also be found in the endnotes, which I think is incredibly helpful. I had a little Google image pulled up on my phone and I just kept looking back and forth in each new section between like the title and then what this image search told me that the title meant. Probably not the best way to do it, but. Along the premise of the movie, um, the only content warning I really have for this is just like, there are references to canon typical dying and coming back. Um, and some of those are not particularly pleasant, but it doesn't ever get super graphic. I've been talking for a really long time, so I will try to make this short, but the things that I really liked about this fic, um, I think this premise, like the premise of the movie, lends itself so well to a nonlinear narrative. Um, I think this fic executed it really well. Um, the characters felt like super true to how I knew them in the movie, um, I think it is so fun to have a world in which you can play with so much stuff that is like technically canon. Like you get these little references from the characters in the movie and it's like, what if we expanded on this? Like what if we filled in the gaps? Um, what if we imagined what the future could be? I think it's a super fun space to play in and I think this fic did it really well. Um, the prose was really well done. I really liked the framing. I'll definitely get into it later. Like the, the seven forms of love. Um, I thought the signposting in this fic worked very well and was a good way to sort of help orient us a little bit through this nonlinear narrative. Yeah, I really liked this fic. I, in the middle of watching the Old Guard movie, I was like, I am so into this movie and also so much of this lends itself so well to fic. Like, I know there must be good fic out there. Um, and so I was really excited to go digging through the tag and I was delighted to find this. Um, Brenna, I know, has seen the movie because we watched it together. Nick has not. So would love to know sort of what your thoughts were coming from those two different perspectives. Yeah, I liked this fic. Um, I have not seen the Old Guard. <laughs> Uh, I don't really watch films, so I didn't fully understand what was happening through all of this. If you have not seen the movie, the hardest part is probably going to be the name stuff, because their names change a bunch, <laughs> and I tried really hard to keep up with it, and some of them I did manage, but there were a couple times I just had to let it go and be like, this is this is someone I probably have already met in this fic, but I don't know which one, and you know what? By God, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> is kind of where I landed but I did like it I think the premise of the movie is really really interesting I like that the fic was pretty canon compliant and like really used a lot of that um I think it's nice to read a fic for a fandom like for your first fic in a fandom to be canon compliant sometimes I don't know I that's kind of what I usually do when I get into a fandom and then I like branch out and see but you gotta you gotta see what the deal is in the canon verse first not everyone agrees with that I don't think but that's where I land. So I did like that a lot. Um, I thought it used setting and place super, super well to orient you, especially in different times, because they jumped a lot around time as well. Uh, I thought the framing with the different kinds of love was really interesting. Um, I like that it was referenced in text a couple times. I think that really made it feel more cohesive. And like there was a reason that it was using this framing device. Um, so it felt very justified. And I liked that a lot. I liked that Nikki was our POV character. I think that it gave us a really good piece of his perspective. I loved the established relationship between him and Joe or whatever their names are at any given point in time. <laughs> um, it felt really well done, really lived in. 
which it sure better be after that many years. <laughs> yeah, and then just the references to things in the movie. I like didn't catch all of them, but I caught some of them from hearing about it before I read it from Reed. So yeah, overall enjoyable. A little tricky. A little tricky if you haven't read or if you haven't seen the movie, but it was still a good experience. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading this. I mean, I was really hoping that Reed would bring uh, a fic for this movie because I greatly enjoyed the movie. Um, and again, yeah, I think it, as you're watching it, you're if you're in fandom, you're aware <laughs> that it could greatly lend itself towards fic. Um, yeah, I also kind of forgot some name stuff at the beginning, like particularly Booker. I had to kind of Google and remember what his other name was. Um, beyond that, I think I felt pretty aligned with the fic I also don't mind like not fully understanding things sometimes <laughs> um like I'm okay just kind of moving on um if something's a little bit confusing so I think especially with a fic in a kind of non-linear narrative style like this one is um I usually kind of go in with the understanding that I'm probably gonna have to read a number of sections before I start really being able to piece it together in my brain I mean obviously with this one I knew the canon so it's easier to kind of align these pieces with that but even as it kind of branches off from the canon, both pre and post the movie, um, you kind of have to still do that mental work to kind of get everything in alignment. Um, I enjoy doing that. I like nonlinear narrative in fic, especially. Um, and I think particularly with characters who uh, either we are with for a long time in a piece of media, so we follow them for a long time, or we just know that they have like really long lives like this one, um, or some other media where like the characters are semi-immortal or whatever um I enjoy kind of a non-linear uh timeline so this fic was really fun for me in that regard um and I think it's just like fun to kind of see authors interpretations of what their life would be like before or after we get a little bit of it in like flashbacks in the movie to um certain parts like like Reed mentioned in their intro like we see kind of what happened to uh Quinn and we see what happened to Lycon so we have a few of these flashback moments um but we really don't get a whole lot so I think in that regard also it really lends itself towards fic in in kind of fleshing out what the character stories were uh before and after we kind of get to see them because we're not with them for very long like the the movie's time span is not a particularly extensive timeline um I don't know you're with them for maybe like a, a week like a yeah it a, moves very quickly around there like they have to find Niall who is kind of just awoken to being um an immortal uh and then they're sort of off on this mission really quick to basically save all of themselves <laughs> um and it happens quite rapidly like there's travel that you obviously have to factor in and stuff but beyond that like everything's pretty fast. Um, so you're only with them for, you know, like, yeah, maybe about a week out of their millennia's of existence. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. I almost said movie. I did have a lot of fun with the movie. But, um, I had a lot of fun with this fic. Uh, there are definitely things I want to get into about it more. I really like the characterization and I want to talk about that a bit. Um, and there's some lines in this that were just like really incredible. Briefly, Brian, I was just thinking how you and I both were like, oh, yeah, you watch the movie and you think like this has good fandom potential. Um, while we were watching the movie, I want to say maybe like 30% of the time you and I and our friend Molly were talking about like fandom potential and like how the movie itself. And then 70% mm -hmm. of the time was just being like mm -hmm. Charlize Theron is really fucking hot. Yeah. Look at her with a sword. Wow. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> step on me. Like. <laughs> uh -huh. 
Stab me with your sword. Stab like. me with your sword. <laughs> there is a moment in the in the movie where like she's kind of surrounded by all of these like I don't know armed men. <laughs> they're not like a police force. They're like private security of some sort. I think. Um, and she's like has this big ass sword and just kind of cuts them all down in a row. And I was like, oh my god. Like, why is that the moment that really, like, stuck out to me? I don't know. I don't want to get into it, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was phenomenal. Um, Yes, one of the things that uh, Nick and I both mentioned really liking in this fic was the um, framing of it through the different types of love. Um, And something that I really like that I want to sort of expand upon when when Nick mentioned it being referenced in the text um, is that I really like how... The first time you get this sort of like, oh, there's seven different types of love. You get it in Nikki saying it to someone else, like, oh, I once heard this. And then a scene or two later is where you get Andy telling it to him for the first time. And I thought that was such a particularly clever way to use the nonlinear narrative. Like, you've gotten this structure, and then you get sort of the character feeding it to us, and then you see where it originated for him. Um, That worked so well for me. And I think in general, like, we've read a couple fics on the pod, um, and certainly number them off the pod as well, that have some sort of signposting structure. Um, I think sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. And um, as mentioned, it really worked for me here. I think sometimes it can be a little too, like, on the nose. Um, And with this, it just, it felt like a really good way to frame the scenes. Like, um, Brenna mentioned not sort of realizing what the framing structure was going on when we were talking about this before we recorded. Yeah, just a note, Ficklets, I am a little clown, as per <laughs> usual. I feel like, unfortunately, an ongoing theme of this pod is, like, Brenna doesn't realize, like, how to read a fic properly. <laughs> Brenna's so Like, this, this is, yeah, this is, like, the third time in not very long, I think, <laughs> yeah. that, like... Like, I was thinking about, like, the blue text, like, reads fic Uh that was, like, media that I read with, like, style off. (laughs) Yeah, that one was really... Luckily, I realized there, but yeah, this one, I was, like, two-thirds of the way through before I realized the framing device. Like, I didn't know... I did not, as a person, recognize the earlier words for forms of love, so I was just like, these are things, (laughs) and did not pay a lot of attention until I got to one where I was like, wait, I actually do know that word. Um, Just regarding... The clown feelings, not to incredibly date this episode, but um, mm-hmm. yesterday, uh, Ficklets were sharing sort of like favorite author's notes. Um, and one oh, of them was, yeah. this clown car has a driver. Unfortunately, she is a clown. Um, and AJ said, that feels like a contender for the Fick Click motto. And like... Thanks, AJ. <laughs> I mean, AJ, we you're love right. our loyal listeners <laughs> who respect us as the voices of fandom. I would not dub myself the voice of fandom. I would dub you the voice of fandom, specifically, Reed. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, That's a lot of pressure. Reed. Reed, the voice of fandom. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I could never be mad at AJ for calling me a clown because I've given her way too much <laughs> evidence that I am a clown. Are we all not clowns in the little clown car of Ficklet? No. Okay. Get out of the car, Nick. I think, though, almost to the point of Brenna not realizing what these titles were, something I really liked about it was, like, when I was looking up the definitions and sort of going to the scene with the frame of mind, like, oh, this is, like, platonic love or whatever, it was a nice way to frame it, but it wasn't, like, necessary. And I think that's yeah sort of what I mean by, like, it, it didn't feel overwrought. It wasn't like they completely dictated what the scene had to look like. It was just sort of a nice way to, I think, tie the narrative together when it's jumping all over the place. And 
for me was enjoyable to have in my brain is like this is what the author is intending the tone of this scene to be yeah I didn't know what all of them meant I recognized like I think four of the seven and three of them I was like I don't know okay yeah well I know some things Brenda you don't have to make that face at me (laughs) sorry (laughs) I knew some of them but the ones I didn't recognize I didn't really I, I didn't pull a read, as we say on this show, and pause my reading of the fic to go look something <laughs> up. <laughs> I did pause for two other reasons, though, which I never, ever do. But once was, um, this was, okay, the first one was just me being distracted easily, because um, one of the characters mentioned they just got back from Tunisia. And I was like, I don't even know that much about Tunisia. So I read a whole New York Times article about Tunis, the capital. <laughs> Seems like a pretty cool place. And then I went back to it. But then I also paused because I was like, I don't know what these characters look like but instead of looking up like imdb or something what if i looked up to see if there are fan vids like fmvs for the old guard because i feel like they would be really good there are they were really good there was one that was like to the mashup of um so light em up, up, up light I was, em up, yeah i was gonna say if it's not fallout boy yeah well is that and then a mashup of that and then radioactive by imagine dragons oh i do know that <laughs> mashup. Yeah. yeah okay wait, i gotta good. go find that after we finish recording. yeah it was a good fan vid oh anyway i was just saying that i <laughs> i liked it god i go to talk about the fic and i get distracted again uh no i thought that the framing was smart because like reed said yeah it didn't feel very heavy-handed and like the ones that I recognized, it really worked. And I did go back a little bit after because in the end notes, the definitions are all linked. So I went back to the ones that I didn't recognize. And I was like, you know what? This totally makes sense for like love of self. <laughs> like I can see that. So I did appreciate it. Yeah, I think it it wasn't overly handholdy, but it was like a friend jogging with you as you <laughs> jog through the thick. Holding hands holding hands yeah sometimes it outpaces you a little bit you're like wait wait which makes jogging actually immeasurably more difficult oh does it i would assume oh Um, okay i don't it's not like a common day practice in my (laughs) life not yet no next time we hang out Uh, okay okay (laughs) something else about this fic that nick touched on a little bit was uh the joe and nikki of it all um In the movie, I mean, as I said, they are so deeply, truly in love. Um, And there are bits where it's like, it would be, okay, it is over the top, but it would be like too saccharine, like absolutely ridiculous if it were not backed up by like literal millennia of (laughs) a relationship history. Um, But when I was giving Nick sort of like a rundown of the movie and was trying to get across what their relationship was, there's a... I think an iconic little monologue that Joe gives um, where they're being held captive and they're being like really tender with one another. And one of their guards is like, oh, what? Like, is this your boyfriend? Um, And Joe says, you're a child, an infant. Your mocking is thus infantile. He's not my boyfriend. This man is more to me than you can dream. He's the moon when I'm lost in darkness and warmth when I shiver in cold. And his kiss still thrills me even after a millennia. His heart overflows with the kindness of which this world is not worthy of. I love this man beyond measure and reason. He's not my boyfriend. He's all and he's more. Um, And Nikki just sort of like rolls his eyes and he's like, you're an incurable romantic. And I thought it was like very sweet and cute. And I thought that sort of depth of passion and also like jokingness between them um, Mm -hmm. came across well in the fic. Nick had another example of sort of a similarly (laughs) passionately given (laughs) monologue. 
Okay, well, when you were reading that, like, I could not stop thinking about these, like, copy pastas. Is that a term that we use in 2021? It is now. Yeah, that had gone around on Stan Twitter, where, like, a member of a K-pop group will post, like, a selfie or something. So, for example, Jake from K-pop group in Hypen posted a selfie of him with a peace sign lying down and then two with another member. And someone replied, and I saw this, and like people like really were using this and like similar ones. And this is what came to mind when Reed was talking about Joe and Nikki. It's Jake isn't just a person; he's a cultural reset, a lifestyle, the oxygen we breathe, the reason to live, a form of healing, the reason to breathe, the present you open on Christmas morning, a comfort, an escape from this cruel world, an entrance to heaven. What if I just start using the monologue from? Um, old guard <laughs> as a copy pasta, you like should. for K-pop idol. You should do it. So like Christopher Bang, like post something, and I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> he is not my boyfriend. <laughs> He's the moon on a dark night, or whatever he said. I can't remember. I was gonna go the opposite direction and say, like a a not shown to a scene from the old guard is oh. Joe posting on nikki mm-hmm. like you know like social mm-hmm. media au's when like someone posts mm-hmm. like a selfie and then like their like yeah, partner yes. like responds underneath it like <laughs> heart emoji party. heart emoji like blah 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 except it's just yeah, joe yeah, doing yeah. the copy pasta to every one of nikki's posts that's incredible yeah so i think nick mentioned a little bit earlier like how lived in this fic feels um and i think like i really saw that in how well the characters were developed I think for me, like, that's something I always look for in fic, right, is, like, a very well-developed character, a character that feels like they match canon, but is usually, like, kind of expanded on even more so than we get. I think one of the hardest places to do that is honestly an ensemble cast movie, because we just don't get that much time with each character. Like, arguably, the old guard kind of follows Andy as, like, our POV character the most. Like, we're not really with Joe and Nikki by themselves all that much, so we don't really get that much time with them. Um... And, like, where you have, like, a book, you kind of have more of even, like, a written look into a character. With a TV show, you probably just have straight up more content. Um, I think, like, an ensemble cast movie is really hard to get that feeling of, like, okay, this is familiar to the character that we saw in the movie and also expands on it. And I think this fic did that really well. I think this fic also plays around with the idea that, like, because they've been together for so long, like, they kind of have a different relationship, all of them, all of the immortals, uh, than just, like, regular people do with each other there was a line I really liked it might be from like the little second little section I don't know I'm honestly not gonna go back and check um (laughs) so whatever um where like they've met Booker and he's kind of taken aback by like how plainly Joe is speaking to him and Joe says we're all we have Sebastian Joe explains what is the use of eternal companionship if we cannot understand one another um, and I just really like that. I think that that gives a lot of insight into both Joe and Nikki, how both how they kind of conduct their relationship with each other and how they conduct their relationships with the other like immortals, um, even with the ones that they've just met. So with Booker when they first meet him or with Niall when they first meet her. Um, yeah, I just really like that line. It really stood out to me as like a good encapsulation of kind of their headspace and like honestly how different that is than like a lot of the characters I read or interact with who I think like we're always exploring the unsaid we're always exploring why they don't want to say certain things or why they're holding back why there's miscommunication and um Joe's just straight up like well I'm just gonna say it like it is like there's no point in clowning around here because like we're gonna live with each other for millennia so get used to it something I'm thinking about too that is related to that 
um, that isn't as present in this fic as it is in some of the others that I was reading in the tag, but does still come up is like the concept of language. Um, when you've lived for so many years across the entire world, um, picking up a lot of languages is something that happens. Um, and I think sort of along the lines of like communication and the way that they talk to one another, um, there's a line in Nikki's internal narration, um, as they're talking about knowing a lot of languages where he says, there are so many words, they're all worth knowing. Um, and I feel like that sort of gets at the heart too of like the communication between the group, like when you have sort of forever spanning in front of you, um, why would you not pick up all of these things from the past and then use them, sort of communicate with one another? I don't know. It was just sort of like in my brain, I think especially because uh, understandably a lot of fics in this fandom focus on language and bridging the barriers between one another in the way that it sort of follows the group um, throughout their times together. Yeah, I think that's interesting too because it's like, also them building these kind of forms of communication that is only for them um like picking up these bits of language from different time periods or places around the globe but then by using them all together in these manners like they're kind of creating a form like a new form of language that like is only comprehensible amongst their group yeah it's it feels very like textbook found family they did literally find each other <laughs> so you got to give them points for that and i do love the, yeah this like well we're stuck together like and it doesn't have to be like that they're choosing to be stuck together we get that a lot in the scene where they're talking about why they stopped looking for quinn like they're so aware of the fact that their existence is really lonely if they're not together and I don't know, I just love like that this fic really looked at why why stay together, why bother, why stick by each other's side after so many years and years and years and years. And like, I don't know, I really like the answers it came up with. I think from my understanding from the two of you, it's very similar to what the movie came up with of like, it's, it's worth it because loving people and caring is important. <laughs> uh, but I think it's still really hit in this fic and I really liked that it leaned so hard into... Like, if we need each other, we need each other. Like, that is what it is. So let's make the best of it. Yeah, I think one of the other things I really liked is just the idea that, like, because they're immortal, because they're kind of living this semi-forever, um, I think it'd be easy for them to kind of get disconnected from the everyday people that are around them. That they see that they do end up forming some sort of connections with. Um, and there's a scene I really like. Uh, towards the end of the fic, basically, it's like a flashback to, like, them being kind of out in like the developing Western United States during that side of colonialism. <laughs> um, but uh, Nikki's like gone to deliver something to like a local parish. Um, and he's kind of remembering back to before he became an immortal, like when he was also just kind of uh, a local like minister. Um, and he kind of just like, rem like thinks to himself about like how, how like the more things change like the more they stay the same and I really like these moments where like you can kind of see through to like their connection with just like regular people over the millennia like how they keep having these interactions with people and like kind of getting back to like even as they're watching the world develop even as they're watching things drastically change over the centuries like there's still something fundamental about like the human experience that like they're all going through even as they are not going through kind of like the the death and end part of that <laughs> experience. 
yeah, so on that note, I think I'm going to wrap our discussion on this fic. Um, this movie and this fic both, I think, really are a testament to found families, team as family, um, the enduring nature of love in its many, many forms. Um, yeah, and, and sort of who you choose to stick by and why you choose to stick to people. Um, I thought it was a really lovely, well-written fic uh, that I really enjoyed reading. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for discussing it with me. So now that we've talked about two people who love each other and die and come back, let's talk about some more people who love each other and die and come back. Hey. Brenda, let's get into your fic. Alright, so my fic for this week is called Atlas by Etymology Playground. Um, it is a crossover fic for two fandoms, for Modao Tsushi and Tianguan Sifu. Um, these are both novels. Um, the first one was adapted into The Untamed. That is probably what most people are familiar with here. The second one has not been adapted into a live action drama. It is adapted into a couple other forms, um, and you might have come across it <laughs> somewhere in your fandom existence, especially if you're at all on sort of like the untamed side of fandom. They're both written by the same author. They don't take place in the same world, but there are definitely connections uh, to how the worlds work that I think makes them easy to have crossover moments with. Um, my pronunciation of things is not great, so I probably will not be calling them by their Chinese names. Um, I'll probably either be using uh, acronyms or using their English translations, which are uh, the Grand Master of Demonic Cultivation and Heaven Officials Blessings. Um, the two main pairings for this fic are also the two main pairings for those pieces of media. Uh, so we've got Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian, and then Hua Chong and Xi Liang. Um, I'm not really going to get that much into The Untamed here. Um, it is the more prominent fandom in this fic, and like I do think you need some context for it. So I'll give you like the briefest little bit, but we have discussed this fandom Previously, if you're online, you might have seen it. Um, I would recommend having some familiarity with these characters before reading this fic. Uh, but honestly, like, I don't have time to give you the whole rundown again because it's an extensive story. Um, there aren't a ton of content warnings I think you need for this fic. The only real thing is that, like, Wei Wuxian does die in canon and then come back. That is dealt with in this fic as well as Long Wanji's grief. Um, but those are both very canonical things. Um, that's pretty much what you need to know about like the untamed as well as the fact that like they're in love <laughs> um the things you need to know about uh Tianguan Sifu are basically also that Hua Chung and Xi Liang are in love um they are much older than the other two they are both 800 years old and essentially immortals they could be killed but it's much harder to do um Hua Chung is a demon and like a ghost king um and Xi Liang is a is a god um, this takes place kind of post-canon for TGCF, and, um, they have, like, gotten together and are kind of, like, happily traveling the world and, like, living their lives. Um, they kind of, we see them here more through, like, Long Wanji's, uh, point of view as, like, the two characters from the, um, the two characters from MZZS, like, encounter them. Um, 
But yeah, I think this is a really lovely fic. It's super funny. Uh, the characters go so well together, in my opinion. Um, I usually don't read crossover fic. In fact, I usually filter it out. Uh, but as I was reading TGCF, my friend was like, oh my gosh, there's some really cute crossover fic. So when I finished it, I went and looked. And it is indeed thoroughly delightful. Um, I really love all four of these characters. So I kind of just wanted to bring it so I could talk about them. <laughs> and I thought this fic was pretty approachable with what I know with what I knew my co-hosts knew about the source content again it's more centered on the characters from the untamed so that's what you have to be a little bit more familiar with which they were since we've talked about that fandom before um and then introducing two new characters but you don't really need to know what actually happens in uh Tianguan Sifu if you don't know the plot it's really not that relevant here We'll get into some more of my thoughts on the fic in a little bit, but I am really curious to hear what my co-host thought, especially since they are not super familiar with these source texts. Yeah, this fic was absolutely delightful. Um, you had told us a little bit about TGCF before, and all of that information left my brain when I started reading this fic. And so I got worried at first. I was like, oh, you know, like I know stuff from the Untamed, but like, am I going to get lost in this? No, literally not at all. Um, as Brenna said, if you have sort of any context to guide you for The Untamed, I think it is fine if you don't know anything about TGCF. Um, this fic was unexpectedly super funny. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe not unexpected to others, but like I was laughing out loud multiple times while reading it, um, especially when you're in Wei Wuxian's point of view. He is, sometimes he's not trying to be funny on purpose, but like, oh boy, <laughs> he is. Um, yeah, I thought this fic was super fun. I thought Long Wenji and Hua Chung's dynamic was, yeah, I keep saying they were delightful, but that is just the word that keeps coming to mind. Um, comedic for different reasons. They are so different, and I think it was a fantastic choice on the author's um, part to pair them together. Um, and just sort of seeing how their friendship develops. Like, it is a friendship, but a very unusual one. Um also, quite honestly, I'd forgotten how easy it is for me to feel unhinged about Long Wenji and Wei Wuxian. Um, for someone who has not seen any of the source material of The Untamed, apart from watching a couple clips that Brenna had sent us in, like, sort of her original primer, um, and someone who does not seek out Untamed content at all, when it was their getting together scene, I was just losing my mind. Oh my god, it's, it's about the pining of it all, you know, talk about a slow burn, especially one where the person that you're in love with, like, you think he's dead, but maybe he's not, but like everyone else thinks he's dead and also super evil, but you're like, no, he's not. And then he comes back. Anyway, listen, I don't know how to articulate it well, but <laughs> when they were getting together, I was just like a little gremlin, like wiggling with joy. Um, they make me feel unhinged, and it was very fun to be reminded of that through this fic. It was just a blast from start to finish. I also very much enjoyed this fic. Uh, it brought me back to December when I mainlined over 300,000 words of the Untamed fanfiction. Still never seen the show. Uh, <laughs> and, and you never will, but that's okay. No, I never will, and that's okay. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, it was so fun. It was so fun. I feel like it did a really good job of orienting us. I feel like I retained a, not a, not a lot, but the basic TGCF vibe just from, um, 
over the summer when Brenna was reading it, really, really receiving <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. the fresh thoughts as mm-hmm. she was. Yeah, I mean, it's insanely long. So I was very much just like yelling at my friends about it uh, while reading. Yeah. So I know some things, um, but I feel like what I knew was definitely enough. Um, so that was nice. I didn't feel lost at any point. Um, I really like the way this author crossed over these characters I think that it was really clever it made total sense there was nothing that I was like oh this is so weird (laughs) like it just felt super super well executed um I loved the different character moments I loved I mean I feel like I'm just gonna echo a lot of what y'all have already said (laughs) there's just so much to enjoy about it um and it's like 12,000 words ish so it's not super long um I liked Oh, I just, I liked so much about them meeting each other for the first time, all of the different meetings, because there were several, I thought were so, like, that's what I would want if I had been in both of these fandoms. (laughs) I think that would get me so hyped. Uh, And I was still slightly hyped, even as someone who didn't really know what was going on, so... I liked that a lot. I also did after reading this open uh, and untamed reckless. <laughs> Maybe Excellent. it's time to go back. Mm-hmm. I will also just note for anyone out there who's confused or is like, why do they keep doing this? Um, this fic is technically tagged only for Modatsushi and not for the untamed. But I don't think as a reader, like the differences between the the like written novel and the live action drama adaptation are noticeable here. Like there are differences. They do not come into play for this fix so like I think that's why if we say the untamed like that's our reference point um just for anyone out there who's like I know that there are people in fandom who like really care about the differences between uh the different adaptations of this story um so I just wanted to put that out but I don't really think that they come into play here so you know if we say the untamed like that's kind of what we know about (laughs) and like if you know the untamed like you can just read this fic with that knowledge um also like a lot of things like the tagging system is kind of confusing on AO3 like a lot of things are tagged for both or one but they use the source text from the other so it's like okay whatever anyway (laughs) that was a side tangent but I just want to put it out there for like accuracy's sake um I will also say like the premise of this fic I didn't really talk about before but I want to talk about it now because it's part of what I just really love about this story um basically it starts uh after Wei Wuxian's death Long Wanji is like kind of trying to find out what happened to him um and like like get in touch with him even though he knows that Wei Wuxian hasn't like become a, a ghost in like a tangible way um so he's kind of traveling around like uh mostly communicating with spirits at first um and see if they know anything about Wei Wuxian. And then one of the spirits suggests that he maybe talk to the gods. So he starts going to temples and praying. And the only god who kind of gets back to him <laughs> is Hua Chung, um, who technically isn't a god. He's a demon, but like people pray to him in a similar way. Um, and he does like canonically have temples to him. Um, and like their first conversation, I think, is just really well done. Um, one of the things I really liked about this fic is... I think on first glance, that's not, like, the pairing that you would make for, like, who would get, like, that's not necessarily who you'd first pair up out of these two stories. Um, Like, even just on a kind of surface level, like, Hua Chung and Wei Wuxian are kind of, like, the, the red and black characters, and then, like, Xi Liang and Long Wanji are, like, the, like, 
white characters, um, like visually and like how they're kind of like depicted. Um, like Hua Chang and Wei Wuxian use like demonic cultivation and things. Um, but when you get down to it, I think actually a lot of the things motivating Long Wenji and Hua Chang and like how they show their devotion uh, to the like other half of themselves is actually much more similar. Um, their personalities are quite different. Um, Hua Chang is not nearly as like reserved as uh, Long Wenji um, and also like enjoys teasing people a lot more. Um, but I think like their kind of drives and how they see the world is actually far more similar. Um, and then the subsequent uh, meeting a few chapters later between Xilian and Wei Wuxian is also really funny. Um, I really love those two. <laughs> Sorry, this whole fic was just me reading it being like, I love these characters so much. <laughs> um, which, yeah, but... I don't know. I just thought that was a really smart move on this author's part. And I've seen it in some other crossover fics as well. But I think like something I always just enjoy about fics is when you kind of get to see a new side of a character because you either put them in an unusual situation or like they've met someone different. And I think here we really get to see kind of uh, these we really get to see different sides to each character because of the conversations that they're having with these people that they haven't met yet. Um, and I think it just does such a good job at these like sort of initial conversations between all of our characters. Bren, I find it really interesting what you were saying about crossovers a little bit earlier um, because I'm the same. I normally do not enjoy crossovers um, or if I'm looking for fic, yes, similarly, I will usually filter them out. Um and I think it's really interesting here how you were saying, like, yes, the worlds of these two, um, like, source materials are different, but they have enough connecting points that it doesn't feel, like, wildly out of character for them mm -hmm. to be meeting. Um, it's not like Harry Potter and Katniss. I don't know. <laughs> I panicked. There's plenty of fake out there for that, that though. <laughs> sure, but it's not like Harry and Katniss hanging out. You know, what? like, I think maybe yeah. one of the things that is tough for me with crossovers, even if it's two fandoms I really enjoy, is like, they tend to be pretty disparate. And so if you're going to make like an AU, if, if one of those world settings is really different, for like the characters i feel like i just want like an mm -hmm. au for just one fandom if that makes sense yeah i don't know that's just my own personal fic reading preference and definitely it's not always true like i'm sure i could find fics that defy that but that all being said even with my super limited knowledge of the canons it did feel very much like all of these characters were so rooted in the world and were meant to be there um and the the ways in which they were in the world were just very fun like you were saying um when wei wuxian and shilian meet um which was I think one of the funniest scenes of the fic. Like Shilian's like, oh, I'm the last of my sect, they're all dead. And Wei Wuxian's like, oh, I'm sorry, thinking internally, like, I hope I didn't kill them. And I was audibly laughing because I was like, in Wei Wuxian's head, he's like, oh no. But it's like, this is a god who's been alive for hundreds of years. Like, don't worry, my dude, you're fine. Um mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like the premise of like demon cultivator meets God, like, doesn't inherently come across as funny to me, but the scenes are so good and so rich with humor. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that like this crossover worked for me is primarily because these stories are by the same author. And like, so a lot of what they do feels like it can work in that way. Like the worlds are different, but it kind of just feels like, okay, if, if like 
Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian take a few steps left and like Hua Cheng and Julian take a few steps right, then they can like find a little crossover where like their worlds mm-hmm. meet. Um, which is kind of how this felt. Like there's enough similarities based on like the kind of story that this is. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the term for like this type of story like media. Um, but like it's it's central sort of tenets of like cultivation and things like that like line up. Um, so I think that really kind of helps, uh, even though um, MDCS is much more grounded in like sort of mortal people and TGCF is like the immortal. Um, but like that, I think also allows for this sort of like in between space that this fic plays in. Um, yeah, I think like I have not read the like English fan translation of um MDCS, but I have read TGCF and like Shilian as a character is so unintentionally hilarious all the time. Like he doesn't mean to be funny, but just like the way he is and like the things he does are really funny and he's just this character kind of out of step with the world. Like he was a god and then things went really really bad basically and then he was kind of stuck on earth without any of his powers but still unkillable for like 700 years. Um, before he ascends again so when he becomes a god again at the beginning of the story like he's pretty out of step with like all of the other gods and like doesn't really understand like all of the social dynamics and like all of that kind of stuff he just is like living by his own principles and is like here I am like he has no worshippers he has no like god clout <laughs> I don't know what to call it um like he doesn't have anything to really go off he has no temples in his name so he's yeah. like okay I'm just gonna like go build my own temple to myself and like he does <laughs> I don't know. He's just, like, such an enjoyable character to read. And I think this fic uh, got that really right. Oh, my God. In that first scene where, like, Wei Wuxian is kind of, like, sizing him up and trying to figure out who he is, um, he, like, uh, learns that uh, Xilian and, like, Hua Chung in this are, are married. Um, and Xilian is like, thank you. I really love him. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're just... He's so, like, pure of heart <laughs> and um, just, like, a, a supremely enjoyable character, I think. Also because, like, he's kind of, in my interpretation, like, a little bit purposely naive throughout a lot of his own story. Like, especially with what's going on between, like, him and Hua Chang. He's always like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Like, let's not worry about it. <laughs> um, Even though, like clearly they should have already gotten together and so I think it's really funny when he's kind of trying to advise like these other two on how to get their shit together yeah Yeah, I mean one thing I really liked about this story and that I like in a lot of stories where there's kind of like two mirroring couples or mirroring pairings and the way that they juxtapose each other is like oh it's just so fun to see like the different dynamics and what they see in each other that is also true of themselves. I'm thinking about the conversation where Wei Wuxian was like, hey, aren't you scared, Mr. Demon Man, that you're making your nice boy worse, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, like, your evil is going to rub off on him somehow. And that, like, because it's so obvious that he's not asking Hua Cheng, is this true of you? He's asking, will this be true of me? Uh, and I loved the answer that he got, which was like, no, he makes me better. It just, like, was a complete reframe, and, like, that really was what Wei Wuxian needed to hear in that moment. I don't know, there was something really touching about it, and also, I mean, getting his, like, really deep-seated envy at seeing the other two so, like, happy and cuddly and, like, together and being married or whatever. I think that's just, like, 
it worked really, really well for me to have the pining happening between Wei Wuxian and Lan Wangji framed against the super happy, functional, whack established relationship of the other two. Like, it just worked for me. Um, and I think it really helped to deepen our understanding of both couples just because of the way they played off each other. Yeah, I mean, I have mentioned a bunch of that this fic made me laugh, but there were also parts that, like, really hit and sort of off of what Nick was saying um as Wei Wuxian is like incredibly envious of what he's seeing he's really upset and like Long Wenji is like what's going on um and Wei Wuxian is like I want to be someone's husband and like it's not going to happen and he says I want that and I don't get to have it because of choices I made so it's not even like it's unfair because it is fair and I just have to live with it but it's really lonely he takes a shuddering breath I'm really lonely that hit like a gut punch I think especially because like yeah, I mean, you get it contrasted against these two who are so blissfully in love. But also I think, like, not not that this is a bad thing, but I think a lot of times in fic, you know, when a character is sort of, like, isolating themselves or, like, no, I can't be in love or whatever, it's, like, you're just being self-sabotaging. And, like, you know, that's what, like, I again, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it can be written really well and also, like, is relatable sometimes. But there's something about the, like... I have done really bad things and so some of my unhappiness is my own fault that is so particularly devastating. I don't know, that line, the idea that he wants happiness but doesn't think he's earned it, I think, is really upsetting. And it makes me think of them, of Wei Wuxian and Lan Wangji getting together toward the end-ish of the fake uh, three-quarter point. Um and the way that they talk about their feelings for each other is just like so much like Lan Wangji's response to this confession is like, Wei Ying, I would marry you. And I was like, ah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Brenna just like went it's fully so... off screen with emotion, just yeah. like flung yeah. herself to the side. You gotta. You really gotta. Sorry, sometimes I'm just like viscerally reminded of like how much I love them <laughs> and how like intense their relationship is. Like, uh... are you crying? <laughs> no, my face is just very red. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, it's just really, really, really good and really. I found this when I was reading just tons of Untamed fic in December and not really knowing what was happening. The way they're the ah, the opposites attract of it all, the the tender pining of it all, the romance. Wow, it's all there. They've got it all. Yeah, there's a refrain I really like too, like at the beginning and then end of this fic between Hua Cheng and uh, Long Wenji. That's like it's not a debt, it's a gift. Like that's yeah. what uh, Hua Cheng tells uh, Long Wenji at the beginning, sort of about him. Um, trying to find out info on Wei Wuxian. And then that's, again, kind of what Long Wanji tells Hua Chung in return at the very end. And, like, I think that's just, like, kind of a hard thing for these characters to say. Like, I think fundamentally for them, they do see a lot of things as transactional, except for where their, like, love interest comes in. Um, I think that's usually, like, the one exception to their rule, especially for Hua Chung. He's such, like, a transactional person with, like, everyone else that he knows except for Shilion who he'll do fucking anything in the world for um so I just really like this kind of like new style of friendship between them for both of them that was like something that I don't think that they'd really experienced necessarily before um 
of just like having something be given to them because the person giving it wants to give it. Um, and I just love that a lot. Yeah, so um, I just really loved this fic. I thought it was absolutely delightful for a crossover. I think it worked so well. Um, I mean, it's a lovely getting together fic for Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian, but it's also just a lovely fic uh, looking at kind of different forms of relationships, friendships, how these things all develop, um, and kind of different sides of these characters as, as they meet uh new friends um so i really liked it um i'm really glad that my co-host did too i wasn't sure if it was just too self-indulgent <laughs> a pick <laughs> um but i'm really glad that we got to talk about it i definitely want to talk about these characters again down the line on this pod so yeah thanks for joining me thank you so much for tuning into this episode um if you had a good time and would like to find us other places on the internet, you can find us on Twitter or Tumblr at FitClick. You can email us at FitClickPod at gmail.com. If you have just the burning need to chime in on anything we've said, like those memes where it's like you're listening to a podcast and you feel like a ghost yeah. because you're just desperately <laughs> trying to say something to the hosts, you can you can hey. reach out uh, via email or you can come talk to us more directly uh, through our Discord. You can find the link to our Discord on our Twitter. Um, it's a lot of fun. We chat about thick and fandom and baking and sometimes we play group games like jackbox so come hit us up if that's something you're interested in we also have merchandise if you want to rep the fc you can do that in myriad ways uh, our merch store is uh, redbubble and it's linked on our twitter all of the merch designed by yours truly and by that i mean brenna <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. yeah uh, extremely good extremely cute would recommend um yeah so check out our merch and if you like us and you think wow fit click should grow as an institution and an entity in the fandom world uh leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever else you are listening that allows for reviews feel free to just go rogue and start your own blog where you review our episodes if you want to totally welcome to do that Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Fit Click. Uh, our next episode is going to be a little bit later than usual. We're going to have three weeks in between instead of our usual two. So the next episode will be coming out on May 7th. Nick, what fic are you bringing? The fic that I'm bringing is called When the Kingdom Comes Calling by Blue A. Blue A. I don't actually know how to pronounce this. I think it's Blue A because that's the, the Tumblr has the dash in between BLU and the EH. Anyway, uh, this is a genfic for the fandom. It's gotta catch him all because he's Danny Phantom. He's a phantom. Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna say the rendition of the theme song, good. I do think starting with gotta catch him all is gonna maybe make people think Pokemon, like Pokemon before yeah. they it's go to Danny Phantom. Pokemon Danny Phantom crossover. Yes. Danny yes. <laughs> no, it's Danny Phantom. Oh, sorry. Okay. Hey, Reed, what's your pick? For my fic choice, we are headed back to a much beloved territory, Reed's Video Game Corner. Uh, this time for the video game Fire Emblem Three Houses, the fic is Wander the Wild Whereby by Mediest, and it is a space AU, and the pairing is Felix Sylvain. Um, really quick, if you're like, hey, I love Fire Emblem Three Houses, or you're like, hey, I love space AUs, and you want to read this fic... Um, please mind the tags, the content warnings. Specifically, there are some content warnings um, for particular chapters. Please read those uh, if you decide to read this fic in advance. Brenna, 
What have you got? Yes, so my fic for next episode is called It's a Neighborly Day in This Beauty Wood by Masu Trout. Um, It's a Yuletide fic from a few years ago based on a Tumblr post. So yes, it's linked in the fic. So if you look at the fic, you'll find the Tumblr post for reference, but it's not exactly a fandom per se. I'm really excited to talk about it though. Well, ficlets, that's the end of this episode. You could say we're going ghosts. Until next time. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>